This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Father, we want to thank you for this opportunity we have to look into your word of life. Uh, Lord, we understand that of ourselves, by ourselves, we are not sufficient. Our sufficiency is of you. Therefore, we ask, Holy Spirit, teach us the word this morning. Speak to our hearts, nudge our hearts in the name of Jesus. We thank you, mighty God, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, so at the end of, uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, our newsletter, if you don't have it, uh, you can indicate the ushers will get it to you. There's an article I put there, I wrote in the, uh, in the newsletter, and I did say that that article is going to be like a five-part sermon series. So we have talked about alone with God, being alone with God. You know, the second thing I have there is irrelevant, irrelevance, insignificance, or anyhow you want to put it there. Amen. And uh, the title of the sermon today is Irrelevance to Significance. Somebody say, I am going from irrelevance to significance. God is the one that is able to transform and change our lives. And I am trusting God that he will do that for you. Okay, ten people. He will do it for me. In the name of Jesus. Amen. As I begin this morning, I want to start by saying, if you have ever wondered about uh, permissive will of God and the perfect will of God, you are in good company today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that, and I pray that this, uh, this brings things to focus for you. First and foremost, it's important that we establish that God has a will. <laughs> Amen. I think for a lot of people, God is abstract. They, they don't see God as a person, a personality. He's a spirit, but he has personality. God has a will. He has a will for your life, irrespective of what you want or don't want for your life. God has a will. Can you preach that to your neighbor for me, please? A will for your life. God has a will for you. Amen? It's important that we establish that. God has a will. It doesn't matter whether I know it, whether I'm doing his will or not. It's important for you and I to know, first and foremost, that God has a will. He has a will. He has desires. He has things he wants to accomplish God is not abstract. God is real. And the Bible tells us that God has made you and I in his own image and likeness. Do you consider yourself abstract? Without form, void, no, no. <laughs> you know, you get hurt. Yeah? You get angry. You know, things happen and you have feelings about situations. So God, 
God has personality. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 6, Genesis 6, 6. It says, so the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. God was heartbroken. Is what? Can you please pull up the scripture? Yeah. It's important that we read along together so you don't think I'm making it up. The Bible says the Lord was sorry. This is a... Uh, this is talking about the time of uh, Noah, right? When the world had become so crazy. It's not much different now, if I may say. <laughs> the world had gone crazy. The Bible says God looked at that situation and God was sorry that he created man and put man on earth. And he broke his heart. As a teaser, my question to you this morning is, are you breaking his heart? Or are you bringing him joy? That is why I started by saying, God has a will. We're doing what we want to do. We're doing what we like to do. The question is, is that the will of God for our lives? So it's important for you and I to understand as we kick this off that God has a will. God has desires. He has things he wants to accomplish through your life and by my life. The Bible says it broke his heart what men did, the lives men were living. Let me ask you a question. If you, are, if you are talking to me, you keep addressing me, you're asking me a question, and I keep ignoring you, how would that make you feel? Let's be real now. What's wrong with this picture? You know? You feel bad. You feel bad. But God is always speaking, and many of us are always ignoring. It will interest you to know that God has things he wants to accomplish. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Isaiah 6 and verse 8. He says, and I heard the Lord asking. God is the one speaking there. I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send? As a messenger for these people. Who will go for us? God is looking for a man. He's saying, who will be my mouthpiece? Who will go for us? Who will go for us? God is looking and is not finding any. Well, Isaiah here said, here I am, Lord, send me. If you read the rest of it, it will interest you to know what happened. You know, because prior to this, Isaiah himself had been boasting and rebuking everybody for their unclean lips and this. He was harassing the people pretty much until God revealed him to himself. Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30. Ezekiel 22 and the 30th verse. This is God speaking. I looked for someone whom I rebuild the rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land, I searched for someone to stand in the gap, in the wall, so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. But I found none. I found no one. God has a will. God has a desire. God has things he wants to accomplish, and he's looking for those that will work with him. The will of God is clear in scripture. 
Very, very clear. Jesus said, for example, in John chapter 6, verse 39, John 6, 39, he says, and this is the will of God. Somebody say this. Yes. Let's say it together. This, this. is the will of God. So there's no guessing. You don't have to guess. He said, this is the will of God that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. He said, but I'm not a shepherd. I don't, I'm not leading anybody. What has God committed into your hands? And how well are you doing? He says, the will of God is that what he has called you and I to do, his will is that we succeed at those things. He doesn't want us to fail. That's his will. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, the New King James Version. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 18. In everything, give thanks. Why? For this. Amen. This is the will of God. What's he saying? It says in everything. In what? Good times, bad times, ugly situation, nice situation. I have a job. I just lost my job. My husband just left me. My wife just left me. My children are acting crazy. In everything, the will of God is what? Give thanks. Thanksgiving is not subjective. We are, we are accustomed to you do something nice to me and I say thank you. But the will of God is that in every situation, in every situation, God has answered my prayers, give thanks. God has not answered my prayers, give thanks. I have food to eat, give thanks. I'm fasting, I'm hungry, I'm almost passing out. Down drove home for some people. <laughs> First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. New King James Version. It says, For this is the will of God. Amen. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Your consecration, your separation, your holiness, your being totally committed and surrendered unto him. That is his will. This is the will of God. So, you know, I like to play with words, but we don't have time to play with words today. But an example of how you can interpret that for you to get a deeper knowledge of it is look at those things that are contrary to the things we have said, that this is the will of God. Anything else contrary to that is not his will. It's important for me to provide for my family, but his will supersedes that. It's important to have a career, but his will supersedes that. So once I put his will before everything else, my obedience is easy. 
it's difficult to obey now because I have put other things ahead of his will. For example, if my career is so important to me and his will for me in the here and now is going to hamper that career, I struggle to obey him. Why? Because I have put other things ahead of his will. There is something that is called the permissive will of God. You want it, and you want it by force. He will let you have it. Does that make it his will? No. And many times, even though now you have it, you look in hindsight, you say it's not worth it after all. So the real question is, what do I want? Do I want the will of God, the permissive will of God, or do I want the perfect will of God? Let me give you an example of uh, the permissive will of God. Israel wanted a king. Not God's idea. It wasn't his idea. So God gave them a king, but not his will. They got what they wanted. Let's read scripture. First Corinthians, no, Corinthians. First Samuel, chapter 8, verse 19. That was hint, hint for my people mm, to do something. Hallelujah. Watch this. The Bible says, but the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. What had happened was they had requested for a king and then he told them all the things the king would do for them. So he would take you almost like slave. Oh, he would do this, he would do that. You know, he told them a bunch of things. The Bible says in verse 19, but the people refused to listen to Samuel. Even so, they said everything you have said we have heard. Even so, we want a king. Verse 20. We want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. I'm going to say something here. You may not like it, but believe me, it's true. Every time you choose your will over the will of God, you are rejecting God. What you're saying is, I have a better plan for me than you have for me. This is why it's important for us to spend time. You know, Bible study since the beginning of the year, I've been doing some foundational teaching. Amen? How do I hear God? Consecration and those type of things. And this... This Tuesday, we're talking about holiness. And then after that, we're talking about faith. You know, they chose what they wanted over what God wanted. You know why? They said we need a king to lead us to battle. The battles they have fought up until this time, who led them to battle? So when they say we need a king, to lead us to battle, what are they saying? We don't want you, we want somebody we can see. Sad. And then in verse 22, 
The Bible says, and the Lord replied to Samuel. Do as they say. And give them a king. God said, give them what they want. Give them what they want. You know, <laughs> let's continue. Let's continue. When you jump to Acts, Acts chapter 13, verse 21, you see in high definition permissive and perfect will. It says, and afterward, they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul. Then you want a king. Okay, there you go. Not his will. He gave them Saul. Watch this. The son of Kish. A man of the tribe of Benjamin. Right? Uh, for 40 years. And then you continue reading. Next verse, please. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. He will do my will. What's he saying? This is my choice. That was your choice. What translation is this? NLT? Put, uh, let, let's see NKJV. Hallelujah. It says, when he had removed him, this is what I'm looking for. He raised up for them. David asking. He raised up. To raise up connotes he trained him. He prepared him. He was ready for the role. Why? Because it, he is God's choice. He didn't stumble upon it. He was prepared, ready for the occasion. Friends, the lesson here, very simple. Whenever I choose my own way, I am rejecting God's authority over my life. Whenever I choose my way, say it's my way or the highway, I am rejecting God's authority over my life. Think about this. And uh, Saul, Saul that became Paul, or that is also known as Paul, not became, also known as Paul, on the road to Damascus, when he met Jesus, or Jesus met with him, there was a meeting. <laughs> you know, he asked a very, very important question. Because prior to this, if you will have asked him, he will tell you he's serving God. 
killing Christians, putting them in jail, dealing with believers. He was doing the Lord's work in his mind's in the eyes of his mind. In his heart, he believed he was working for God. Hmm. But watch. When he met Jesus, he had one question. One question. Because he knew, I've always served God. What's so different about this experience? So, in Acts chapter 9 and verse 6, the Bible says, So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Not what I like to do. Not what I enjoy doing. But Lord, what do you want me to do? Friends, I tell you the truth and I lie not. You know, I mean, I don't need to tell you this. I like the good things of life. Who does it? Raise your hand, and then we can call you a liar. <laughs> I like the good things of life. I like to look good. I like to drive nice car. I like to live in a beautiful home, like many of you. I like the good things of life. But can I tell you something? Very true. And we will all figure this out at one time or the other. Everything will be consumed by fire. Everything. Everything. The houses, the cars, the money, the money you have amassed, you know, in the bank and you are dancing. <laughs> Is this me? <laughs> and you go all crazy over yourself. Fire. Fire. In fact, the unfortunate thing about those monies is they are not even physical money anymore. If you have a million dollars, you can't walk into the bank and say, give me one million dollars. Nobody will give it. Where do you need us to transfer it? It's all electronic money. It's not paper money. Where? If you go to Nigeria, you will see it. <laughs> People have rooms full of money. Name any currency. Dollar, Naira, everything. Rooms. Not room. Rooms. Not boxes. Rooms. You know, but here is paper money. I mean, it's electronic money. God raised David to be a king. Who is raising you? Who is prepping you for your next step? Are you prepping yourself or is God prepping you? Many people struggle with not being relevant. But can I shock you today? The way up is down. Somebody didn't hear that. I'll say it one more time. The way up is down. Unless you do something seriously illegal. Nobody sleeps and wakes up and they're just, they just happen. It, it, it doesn't happen like that. You will go through a process. Somebody say process. There will be a time in your life that it seems like nothing is working out. It seems like you're struggling. 
It seems like nothing is happening for you. And some of you are in that spot right now. And you think God is against you. God is not against you. God is for you. Somebody say, God is for me. Oh, God is for me. God is for me. About 20 years ago, when we started the church, Cynthia was there. Is this where we met? Was it beautiful like this where we met back then? No. The church has been through many changes from one stage to another, to another, to another, to another. And I can guarantee you, if Jesus hasn't come back 10 years from now, we'll be looking back and we'll be laughing. <laughs> I remember when we were on Mobile Street. Dr. Obi, Jack Wood, was it like this? We, we had the whole building in Jackwood. It was too sweet. The whole building. The whole building, too sweet, is just this space. That we were celebrating back there. I know it's this size. I know the dimensions. This is 4,500 square feet. You're right. That one is uh, both about, just about. But when, so we were in one suite, we were happy in that suite. And then we were growing, we were growing, we were going to say, ah, we are outgrowing this place. Then we got the other suite. So we have taken over the whole building. The whole building is just the sanctuary. There's a process in life. The Bible says, do not despise days of little beginning. It's okay not to be relevant for now. It's okay. It's okay. Let's read scripture. Let's read scripture. Hallelujah. Is somebody being blessed? Isaiah, Isaiah 37 and verse 31. Isaiah 37 and verse 31. It says, And the remnant who have escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root where? They shall take root downward. And, meaning, later on, in the process of time, bear fruit upward. But they must first take root downward. When it's taking root downward, nobody is seeing anything. Nobody is seeing anything. Where you want to be, if you don't go through the process, and God takes you and puts you there now, Guaranteed, you will fail. It's not a curse. It's not, you have not. You like to be a medical doctor. Like to be a doctor. Doctor. Koye, Sani, MD, OBGYN, and RGSG, and RSN. I just name it. RCCG. <laughs> Right? So you have a strong desire. God decides to just make you a doctor. You will kill people. <laughs> it's funny, but I'm not trying to be funny. Would you want such a doctor to be your doctor? It's, oh, yesterday it was uh, nobody. Today is the medical doctor. So come for consultation. 
I take Google. <laughs> I will take Dr. Google. It's a process. When you are taking root downward, you look insignificant. You seem unimportant. Nobody's seen anything happening, but things are happening. You are going through training. God is teaching you. God is building you like he did David. David was anointed king when he was about 17 years old. It took 13 years before he became king over one tribe. Then you add another seven years to it before he became king of all of Israel. But in his irrelevance, he remained faithful. You learn nothing if you despise your place of insignificance. You learn absolutely nothing. Can you imagine how they are talking to me? Do you know who I am? Who are you? <laughs> who are you? Been there, done that. Whoever is saying whatever they are saying to you, believe me, they have, been, they have been where you are now and they have gone through the process. That is what gave them the right to be able to speak. So how can they talk to me like that? This, this, this and that. Praise the Lord. Somebody been blessed. Be content with your place of irrelevance. Because God is shaping you up. All the time David was there playing for Saul, the king. He had been anointed king. Did you know that? He had been anointed king, but he was the king's servant playing music for the king. Heaven looked at him. Heaven saw King David. Men saw the little boy that is playing harp for the king. But God saw who? A king. A king after God's own heart. He said, go through it. Go through it. You will, teach, you will learn some things. You know, amongst the things you learn when you are under somebody... You learn how to do things, and then you also learn how not to do things. So, ah! When I become a pastor, I will not do this like Pastor Koye. Oh, yeah, yeah, because it may not have been a good example for you. I'm using my own self as an example so nobody is offended. You learn how to do and how not to do. So when you are learning from someone, it doesn't mean you just gobble everything down, whatever they do, you do. No, you end up your wreck. Praise the Lord. Wherever you are, be content. The Bible says, do not despise days of little beginnings. Don't despise it. Remember the story of Joseph. I'm going to wrap up quickly now. Joseph. Joseph had dreams, but God had plans. He saw himself great. Everybody bowing and bowing and bowing. What happened to him? He became a slave. 
<laughs> Do you know that's a recipe for bitterness? If it were some people today. Lord, you showed me everybody bowing to me. Everybody's worshipping. They are worshipping me. And then you promoted me to a slave. It doesn't make sense. Does it make sense to you? If you say yes, we call you weirdo. You say, I'm going to be great. And then I'm thrown in the pit and sold as a common slave. It doesn't make sense. As if that was not bad enough, he then became a prisoner. A slave prisoner. I don't think it gets lower than that. It can't get worse than that. You are a slave that is now sentenced to life imprisonment. But in all of that, God was shaping him. God was shaping him. Many years ago, the Lord showed me that in Potiphar's house, what God was teaching Joseph, thank God he paid attention. You know, it could be there sulking. Say, eh? A whole me. Uh-uh, it's half you. <laughs> a whole me. In my father's house, I wore coat of many colors. In Nigeria, I was a professor. I had three servants waiting on me. In Nigeria, you are not in Nigeria. Hello? If Nigeria is so sweet, go back. Is somebody holding you down here? You say, oh, in Nigeria, in Nigeria, go back. Stop telling us in Nigeria, in Nigeria, go back and then go be that thing there. You are here now. God is taking you somewhere great. Stop looking back. Stop looking back. Do you want to go back to that life? If the answer is no, then look forward. He got to Potiphar's house and he just understood that this is life now. This is life now. He gave it his best. Gave it his best. He learned management in Potiphar's house. How do you think he was able to give the solution to the king? To Pharaoh. He said, well, this is the interpretation of your dream. It could have stopped there. But then he proffered a solution. He said, the seven years of plenty, make sure you store, have storehouses, have silos, and all of those things, so that the seven years of lack, you can begin to pull from that resource. Why? He managed Potiphar's house well. How well are you serving where you are now? You keep complaining, oh, this is not my life, oh, ah, this is what God has called me to do, this, this, and that. We have had, but this is where you are now. If you do well where you are, it is part of your development plan to enter into God's purpose for your life. Amen? Is it too hard? Is it harsh? It's good? I'd rather tell you the truth than just make you feel good. There is an element of irrelevance and insignificance in the journey to greatness. That's the whole point. There's an element of what? Insignificance. 
Amen. There was once upon a time when Moe just joined the choir. Or sorry, did she get to lead song? No. She was in the background. Even though gifted. But she was in the background. God was building her up. I remember those days, uh, Stanley, Stanley was the music director. She would come and do voice training with Stanley. God was preparing her, building her up. Whatever they told her to do, she did. It was part of the development plan. Even Modukweda came ready. When she came, excuse me, were you leading some? And they, she sat down and uh, learned the ropes that this is how they do it here. Not because she couldn't sing, but she needed to learn. She needed to learn. If you refuse to learn in your little beginning, when you get to the big stuff, you will likely fail. So right here where you are now, where the consequence is not much, learn. Fail. Now is the time to fail and learn. You fail, you learn. You, you know, in my field, you experiment, you fail, you learn, and then you experiment again. You experiment, then you have some wins, and then you fail. Then you learn from your failure, and then you experiment again. That is how to grow in life. You will not suddenly arrive at greatness. <laughs> I have arrived. Voila. It's a lie. It's a lie. Please rise to your feet. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.